Money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success. Others use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it, and how to grow it. At Tilly Money, our aim is to build the financial strength of women. And this season, we're taking it to the next level by empowering you with practical wealth building tips and strategies to help you become financially independent. From money to beauty to health stories, we're also going to be talking to women about the inspirational journeys they have taken to motivate you on your path towards success in all areas of your life. This is Tilly Money. Hello and welcome to today's episode on how to get started in the share market. My name's Jess, and I'm part of the team here at Tilly Money. As promised, this season, we're going to give you more educational episodes where we talk to experts and decode tricky financial terms. This week, I'll be turning the tables and interviewing our founder, Maureen Jordan. As always, we want to bring you what you want to hear. So if you have any topics you want to learn more about, you can message us on Instagram at tilly.money or email us at info at tillymoney.com.au. So let's get into the episode. Maureen, all I'm hearing lately is about stock investment. Many of my friends and close network have the micro-investing apps, and some of them have been buying company shares through the ASX. I'd love to get on the bandwagon, but I just have no idea where to start. Could you start by explaining to me what exactly is a share and why would I purchase one? Yeah, um, with pleasure, Jess. Look, firstly, I agree with you. There's been um, a real increase in the number of younger people buying shares. That's for a couple of reasons. One, we had COVID last year and, you know, there were a lot of bargains around at that time. And a lot of people who may have spent money, younger people traveling abroad, you know, maybe have had two, five, ten thousand dollars that they weren't spending there. And then they thought, well, there's all this hullabaloo about prices dropping in the share market. Some people would say they'll rebound, they'll rebound, and uh, and they were right. And they jumped on the bandwagon. Um, you're in an incredibly lucky position to be actually saying, my friends are jumping on the bandwagon, but I really want what I'm hearing is I really want to learn a bit more before I take that ride. Mm-hmm. And that's really smart, Jess. Another reason that um, people have been jumping on this bandwagon has been because real estate can be quite expensive and sometimes really out of the reach of a lot of people. You know, they've got to save for a deposit, that can be hard. And then they've seen this COVID-induced um, bargain share market. So they thought, well, maybe there is another way that I can increase my wealth. Maybe I won't commit to buying a property. You know, I'll really throw my lot in with the share market because over the the years, there's a lot of evidence to say that, you know, if you buy quality shares, quality shares, and you buy them with knowledge, you can actually have better returns than you might even in the property market. But let's get into more of that later. So why wouldn't I just put my money in a bank and earn interest off Whoa, that? Well, <laughs> there's one main reason, Jess, and years ago, people did, you know, you might get 5%, you know, interest and relatively safe, free kind of investment, not always, you know, the big four banks, for example, the government guarantees your first 200 
250000 That's a lot. But, you know, if anything went wrong with the bank, the government backs that up with a guarantee. But unfortunately, over the years, interest rates on money that you've got in the bank they're so low, mm-hmm. you know, and two things, not only do you not get much interest rate, that's income from your money in, invested in the bank, your money doesn't grow. And then you look at, say, the share market and the property market. Well, there's two things. The share market, I might get dividends from those shares, so that's income, and then my shares might go up in value. You know, so that's a good thing. I get the win-win. Property prices, we know that property historically goes up in value as well. So if I park all my money in the bank, it's not going up in value. And the income I get, the the interest the bank's giving me for parking my money there, it's just almost not worth having there. And you pay tax on it. So Maureen, you mentioned dividends. Could you please explain what that is? Yeah, sure. It's very similar to what we were talking about when you've got money in the bank and um, the bank pays you interest on that. When you buy a share, it's like you buy a little bit of the company. And so when um, a company makes a profit, you know, on a um, semi-annual basis or an annual basis, there are not all not all stocks pay dividends, but there are stocks like Telstra, Commonwealth Bank, etc., that pay dividends. You're getting a little share of the profit, you know. So every six months or twelve months, whatever the arrangement is, you get a dividend statement from the bank to say that you know our profits were blah blah blah. You've got you know 0.001 percent of the bank. You're going to get. That, that equivalent amount in um, in dividends, which is the profit that you receive. It's income. You know, when people retire, they love dividend stocks because they live off those dividends. That's their income. They're not working anymore. So it's the reward you get for holding shares. There's two aspects. One is called capital growth. That's when Telstra might go up in its value. So you see the share price rising. So you're a winner there, just like a house price rises, the share price rise or you get the dividend. Just like if you own an investment property and someone pays you rent, the rent is the income. Well, speaking of real estate, my dad for one's always encouraging me to buy property and have an investment home. But if I had to choose between renting out a property or investing in stocks, which do you think would be more profitable? Well, this is the million dollar question. And as I said, there's been lots of research. And one day I'd like to do a separate podcast, really just looking at shares and property and looking at those because we we probably don't have enough time today to really look at that in depth so we could take that as a separate one look there's no doubt that you know property prices tend to go up in value we know that they can drop but then they go through um, an upward trend look bricks and mortar people love it you know you think about I'm investing in a company will that company go bust but you know something major has to happen for one, your property to kind of be blown off the planet. Well, that doesn't really happen. But, you know, owning land and owning bricks and mortar, it does give you a a feeling of safety. What a good advisor would say to you, you know, Jess, don't have just one. Over time, have property, have shares, you know, have fixed interest, have some other valuable assets as well, mix it up. You know, and then if the share market's going down, you'll probably find that at the same time, strangely enough, the property market could be going up. You know, mm-hmm. So you get that win-win when you do what's called diversification. But again, more on that later too. Yeah. Okay. So if my money was invested in shares, but then an emergency came up and I really needed to bring the money out, how do I go about getting it or am I stuck? Well, you're not necessarily stuck unless there's some um, conditions on the kind of investment that you've got. Some shares 
they are really hard to get out of a small minority a small minority because you might not get buyers you just might not be able to sell at the time but generally an advantage of shares is that you put it on the market through whatever trading platform you're using and as long as the price is right you can sell it they're fairly liquid now a property can be liquid but you could also get stuck as well you know you might have to drop your price significantly so that's not quite a liquid asset but generally if you really wanted to get your money back from shares they are a a fairly liquid not as liquid as cash Mm -hmm. you know if you don't as long as you don't have your money uh, locked away in some two-year term deposit you just go to the bank and draw it out but then as I said you're getting nothing in return for it shares more liquid you know if I have Telstra shares I could go on a Comsec or NAB trade you know, platform today, put them out there in the market. As long as I don't want too a higher price, I'll find some, just like any market, I'll find some, I'll find some buyer relatively quickly. Today's episode is brought to you by our principal partner, Mortgage Choice. For almost 30 years, Mortgage Choice and its national network of mortgage brokers have been helping Australians just like you realise their property ownership goals. They put your best interests as their top priority because they work for you, not lenders. Whether you are looking to buy your first home or investment property, or want to refinance an existing home loan to get a better deal, let a mortgage choice broker answer all your questions, show you what's available and do the legwork for you. Visit mortgagechoice.com.au or call 13 77 62 to speak to your local broker today. Well, there's so many companies and stocks to choose from. What would be my first step when breaking in? Uh, The first step um, really is to learn, as I said at the beginning. Um, You're talking about breaking in, which is a lot different to jumping on the the bandwagon. And you can make a lot of mistakes when you just go along for the ride and your friends are doing it. So, you know, I'll just do it too. You know, I'll take a tip from them. You know, this is is not the way to build wealth strategically and solidly. So you're talking about breaking in. If I could give you my experience, you know, that I was quite conservative um, and we used to use a stockbroker, you know, and uh, stockbrokers come, you pay 1% of the transaction. Um, They're knowledgeable and I'm not in any way saying that, you know, you shouldn't use a stockbroker. But um, I thought to myself, you know, I don't really want to use a broker. I want to use an online platform, you know. And so I just dived in and uh, I could have opened any one of the online platforms, NabTrade, Comsec, or there's others out there as well. And there's a lot of new ways of buying shares as younger people do. But um, because I held a Commonwealth Bank um, account, you know, I'm a Commonwealth Bank customer, I went in and I um, opened up a Comsec account and I linked one of my accounts, what's called a CDIA. So that's where I held the money that I want to use to buy shares. And if I sell them, that's where the money that I get from the sale goes back into that CDIA. And I started trading around March 30 um, last year, just purely on my own. I opened up, I've got a couple of little grandchildren. I opened up a trust account for them. I wanted my own separate account because I'd had a little bit of a windfall with money. And like, you know, a lot of people out there, I thought, well, this terrible thing called COVID and it, you know, the stock market just dropped incredibly. I know that old saying, what goes up comes down and what goes down can bounce up again. So I started trading around then and I had to teach myself 
how to open up an online account, which isn't very hard. So the first step in breaking in is learn and then even open up a ComSec trading account. It doesn't cost you anything to open. Open up a parallel account. It doesn't have to be with the same ComSec. You don't, it doesn't have to be with Commonwealth Bank. I just found it efficient. But then you link some kind of account, as I said. So if you buy shares, that's where they suck them, your money out of. And if you sell them, that's where they put the proceeds of the sale back in. That's really the, the second step. Learn, 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 and then open an account. And you know what? Learn more. So I know that sounds really conservative, but that's the way you strategically and cleverly build wealth. Yeah, definitely. Do you think that buying online is the way to go or do you think a stockbroker is still Look, valid? Both have advantages. As I said, you know, for many years we used a broker and we were very busy, you know, running a business, raising a family. I didn't know a lot about the stock market, you know. Here I am, all these, you know, incredible university credentials. And if anyone had said to me, oh, how do you trade? I think oh, we have a stockbroker, you know, um, and uh, or, you know, what do you buy? I'd be thinking, oh, well, you know, um, I buy Telstra, I'm, I'm Commonwealth Bank, you know, I didn't know very much about it at all. You know, it's, it's a, a learning environment that I had to go through. So there are reasons why people use brokers, they do charge for it. One of the one of the main reasons people use it is they have a lot of research and knowledge and they're actually able to, or they should be able to give you recommendations based on that deep research because they're doing this day in, day out for a living. So most people, it's a side hobby, you know, or a side interest. But stockbrokers, they live and breathe that. Also too, when new companies come onto the Australian Stock Exchange, Say even like Afterpay, um, you know, all those beauties that people made an incredible fortune out of in hindsight. You know, I wish I had bought Afterpay in March last year when, um, when it was went down to about $9. <laughs> we all missed out on that, yeah. but um, or a lot of us did. But stockbrokers get insights to new floats and sometimes they'll give allocations from these new floats to people who use them. So there's lots of advantage of using a good broker, but you need to always be aware that they charge anything from 1% upwards. The beauty of the online account is that it's really cheap to trade online. Nothing to set up the account. You know, it can be depending on what kind of trade and the volume, you pay about $30, $25 um, or whatever for the trade. You know, it's relatively cheap as long as you're trading enough. You know, you wouldn't buy, uh, well, $500 is always your first, your very opening trade is $500. But you wouldn't, You all after that, you can buy whatever parcel of shares you want. But you always have to remember, I'm going to pay $29 or, you know, $35, $30 or whatever for, um, to ComSec for this. I've got to buy enough to justify that fee. You know, otherwise you're paying out 30 bucks. You wouldn't want to just buy $100 worth of shares if you get my drift because the fee's too expensive. So online is really good, but then you've got to do your own learning with that. No one's going to tell you that this is definitely a buy. We've been doing research on this. This is a buy. You've got to go and learn. And the thing that you never do is you don't take tips from friends mm -hmm. or even like I've overheard Melbourne Cup tips when I've been sitting in a hotel and the horse did win. That's not what you do with stocks. It's yeah. not gambling. Well, speaking of fees and charges, one issue is that I don't exactly have a lot of money saved. So how much should I need to start buying stocks? 
Okay. Well, as I said, nothing to open up an online account like NabTrade or um, Comsec. Sometimes I think it's even good to open up one and just say, well, you know, I haven't got much money now, but I've got my account there ready, you know, and so that that will help you uh, motivate you to learn. You need with your first trade on on Comsec five hundred dollars, and that's the opening trade. You can't buy anything less than that. After that. You know, depending on what share it is, you can add to it in whatever number of units or price you want. So you don't need a lot. And it's a good idea to just even dabble, you know, like to someone young, you know, $1,000, you know, can be a lot of money just to put aside when you're paying rent and all the other expenses, just to put aside for buying shares. But that's when it's not a huge amount to lose. And that's when you probably are making your first step, a brave step to just buying something and watching it. You know, is it rising? You know, is it falling? Have I made, you know, a sensible judgment here? You know, should I sell it? You know, uh oh, it's dropping. Should I sell it now before it drops too much? These are all the things you have to learn. Mm -hmm. And if you, you'll only really learn if you take a, a dip in the water and start trying to make it real. Well, it seems like I have a lot of research to do, a few apps to download and some finance to sort out so I can get started. But do you have any other tips for me before we finish this one? Yeah, I, I, I do have a few just from my own experience. As I said, not so much from the use of a stockbroker, just from what I've learned um, is that the first thing is, and I repeat this, I said it before, share trading is buying and selling shares. It's not gambling. You know, it's a way to build wealth. You've got to be very careful that you don't just see it as gambling. And then, as I said, you know, everybody's on this stock. Everybody's buying Bitcoin. Everybody's, I'll jump in and do that as well. Because certain shares can really rise and then they can fall like, you know, there's no bottom. So it's the way you view share investing that's really important. It's not a gamble. The second tip is, okay, it's not a gamble. Maureen just said, don't really listen to friends, you know, and you love your friends, but you know, they may not be experts either. So don't, don't do the gossip thing. Or when you go online, everybody's buying Bitcoin, you know, go and dig and learn more about that. The main thing that you can do after you've, um, your realization that this is not gambling, you know, go to the casino, not that I'd advocate that, but you want to gamble, go to the horse races, go to the casino. This is serious stuff. This is investing. That's the difference. You know, you can risk money in a casino. You can lose the lot. You know, it's a day out, a night out. You know, if you have a fun day at the races, you might win, you might lose. You know that. Investing, you're trying to minimize your risks. You know, you're trying to grow your wealth. So how do you do that? Second tip, learn. You know what, Jess? I, um, and I'm not just being self-promotional here, but how did I learn about it? You know, when I said I broke out from using the stockbroker, for years, I'd been reading a something we do in-house called the Switzer Report, and I'd been reading it not with much interest because I wasn't trading, you know, I wasn't doing any buying and selling. I made sure there was no errors, you know, things worked, everything looked neat and tidy. And COVID, with the terrible things that COVID did all around the world, one thing it did for me personally was it really um, lighted up this interest in the stock market for me. And I thought, oh, okay. I'm going to really read the Switzer report with a lot more interest than I'd ever read it because we had contributors there like Peter Switzer, you know, he knows a lot about that. That's well recognised, you know, as a person who understands financial markets, share markets being a major one of them. We've got um, writing for the report, the founder of Comsec, the chairman and, and, and CEO of Comsec, Paul Rickard. Now, I'm reading his stuff. 
Now, this guy lived and breathed that for years before becoming part of Switzer. Then we have the guy who started Shares magazine years ago um, in London, then brought it to Australia, James Dunn, uh, a really highly respected financial writer, Tony Featherson. I'm starting to read all this information with gusto. And I remember I'd be chatting to Peter, and this is the tip I'm, I'm talking about my experience because this is the tip I want to pass on to others. Mm-hmm. I'd be chatting to Peter and he'd be saying, oh, look, I've, I love these tech stocks, you know, I'll call them my Zeet stocks, you know. Okay, Peter, well, you know what, I'm going to go and buy some of those. And, uh, and then Peter would talk about how he liked this sector and he's my, you know, stocks that I like. And Paul would say, I think this, you know, bank is going to do well. So when that hit, you know, COVID hit in the mid-March, by March 30, I had tucked under my investments. You know, I had Tyro, I had Zero, I had CSL, I had Commonwealth Bank, Westpac, ANZ, not huge amounts of them, but I was starting to develop my portfolio and then this trust that I've set up for my grandchildren. One day, Peter looked at um, a statement that I had on my desk. You know, he, he is my husband, so he wasn't just, you know, prying into my <laughs> personal affairs. And he said, What's, where's that money come from? I said, from your tips. He said, what tips? I said, well, you were talking about all these in the Switzerland report, so I went out and bought them. You know, so I was starting to amass this, you know, amount of money just through learning. And, you know, I made a couple of mistakes. You know, I bought at the wrong time. You know, I thought, oh, well, today, you know, it sounds like a good price. I bought in, you know what, you live with that. You know, I brought stocks, some of them have risen phenomenally in price, others have dropped, you know, because the tech stocks in particular have been really bashed around and we can go into that at another time. So I look at it, for a while I used to jump on all the time and watch what was happening to my portfolio and one day I'd be riding a high and the next day I'd be sitting there, oh damn, you know. You know what I learned? You don't have to watch them all the time. Buy good stocks, this is the tip, Buy good stocks, be confident that you've bought well and leave them alone. And the only time you look is if you think, you know what, that stock that I liked, whether that be Zero or Tyro or whatever, I like those stocks. They've just dropped you know, significantly in price because something's affected the tech sector. I'm going to go and buy more because that's called buy the dips. You know, I'm confident that they're good over the long run. I'm going to dip in and buy some more. So don't look at it. I'm not a share trader. I don't, I'd go mad. You know, I'm not sitting there at my desk, you know, constantly looking for movements, constantly reviewing. I'm a long-term investor. I buy quality stocks. And when I get a little parcel of money or I'm not going to flitter money on something lovely because, you know, maybe it, I just have a different mindset at, at that time and we all know we can't travel very far – I'll put a little bit more into some of those quality stocks. So buy quality, be prepared to hold them for the long term. Don't get into this trading all the time because you know what, you'll get burnt. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of tips, a lot more where they came from and love to share those with you at another time, Jess. Yeah, well, thankfully I do have a subscription to the Sitzer Report, so I'm going to run off and get stuck into that. But I would love to pick your brain again about stocks. And what I I say to you, Jess, is learning – you know, when you get into it, because the Switzer report was a little bit of a double dutch to me initially because I had no interest. You know, I had no, I had shares definitely, you know, in my super fund and then personally, but I had no real interest. They were just locked away somewhere. But when they became my shares for my grandchildren or my shares for my own little private portfolio, I had a passion and an interest there. So I started to really read stuff understand that some stuff was complicated so I'd go and ask someone who knew to explain it to me in normal English like what you and I are trying to do here so when you when you read the Switzer report don't think it's you but just be prepared 
to keep reading. You know, Tony Featherston, Peter Paul, they write in a very easy style. And you're lucky because if something hits you that's difficult, you know what? You can just go into me, come into my office, Peter's Paul's, and ask them. Because this is a learning journey. This is how you're expanding your knowledge. Just like a foreign language, you know, I speak a bit of French, but, you know, if I had more practice or I lived in France, I'd be better at it. You know, you're in a situation where don't think it's you. It's not. You know, it is complicated. But build your knowledge little by little and never think you're dumb ask dumb questions and then you're going to learn so much. Definitely. Hopefully we'll all be fluent in stocks soon. We will. I assure (laughs) you of that. Let's have more of these conversations. Great. Thanks for talking to me today, Maureen. My pleasure, Jess. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up to date with all of our content, follow us on Instagram at tilly.money. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music.